Hello, listeners. This is a little bit of a preamble to this episode. So Alexis is a young lady who is a survivor of an eating disorder. And yes, it is about anorexia. I understand that this podcast is primarily for, you know, it's called bleak midlife bulimia. So mostly for midlife bulimia. But when a young lady reaches out to me and says, I want my voice heard, I'm not going to turn that away. So I hope that you listen to this and understand what she is going, what she went through and how she is feeling and how it inspired her, which is absolutely wonderful. And to a certain point to me, it brought me back to when I began my eating disorder, although I was not anorexic, I was bulimic. However, there was a little bit of a correlation there that I could understand. So I hope you Listen to this, understand that this is just beautiful, that we do have some young people out there that are still reaching out and saying, hey, I want you to know. Welcome to the Bleep Bulimia podcast with guest Alexis Smith, eating disorder survivor and speaker. Hi, everyone. I am Lorianne and the host of Bleep Bulimia. And today I have Alexis Smith. And Lexis is an eating disorder survivor, and she's also a speaker. And I want to thank you for being here today with us. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. So we'll get right into it. Tell us a little bit about your experience uh, in life with eating disorder. So I, I guess starting way back when growing up, I was always very active. I was always um, very perfectionistic when it came to especially academics. And um, I was always very involved in extracurricular activities. I did dance, I did soccer, um, I did, I played piano, just everything um, that I could fit in my schedule. And then um, I think it was right around about seventh grade when I started to develop some depression, but I didn't honestly know at the time what to call it. I didn't have a word for it. Um, Looking back now, I can see that that's what it was to a T, like there's no doubt about it. Um, But at the time, I didn't really know what to do or what this was or what I was experiencing. Um, And that was a very, very difficult time in my life. And um, I honestly don't really know how I got out of it, but things just started to look up after about a year or so. Um, About a year or two went by and I decided that I really wanted to get healthy. I was in ninth grade at the time and I set a goal on January 1st of 2017 to to be healthier. And um, that was really all it was. It was very healthy. Um, It was a good goal. There was nothing too crazy about it. It was just eat better and exercise more. And that's how I was going to do that. And slowly but surely, things started to get a little haywire. It started to kind of, you know, fumble out of control. And looking back now, it appears as if my eating disorder had kind of started about a year or two even before that. Um, When I started to record what I was eating and take notes of, of, you know, different, different calories or exercise tracking or whatever. Um, And then I tracked everything at the time I was in ninth grade on my Fitbit. I had a fitness tracker at the time and it made it very easy for me um, to develop an eating disorder. I, all I had to do was scan the barcode and it would log it, you know, for me and, um, different things like this. And so, uh, I tried to meet all of those goals that it would have set for me and, uh, stay under my calorie count, my budget that I had for myself. Um, and it, it was very, an exponential decline of my health, uh, mentally and physically. And um, thankfully, it was able to be caught early for me. 
And therefore I was able to have a very fast and full recovery, which I am forever grateful for. Um, So my mom kind of came to me and my parents were kind of, you know, suspicious of what was going on. And uh, they kind of pulled me aside and eventually asked, you know, is, are we dealing with a potential eating disorder? And by that time I had kind of already admitted to myself, you know what, I have a problem with food. This isn't normal. Most people aren't crying over what they're eating. Most people aren't spending so much time consumed by food. Most people aren't, I, I couldn't, the physical symptoms were overwhelming. I couldn't quit thinking about food. Um, I was constantly cold my hair was thinning. Like it was just, it was just brutal. And, um, that's when I was officially diagnosed by my pediatrician was in October of that year, um, with anorexia. And then I was admitted to primary children's hospital here in Salt Lake, Utah, Salt Lake city, Utah. And, um, they took great care of me. I'll always have a, a very special place in my heart for, for primaries. Um, but at the time I did not want to be there. Uh, (laughs) I uh, was there for six days. I didn't know how long I would be there originally, but I ended up being there for six days. Um, and there I had an NG feeding tube placed. So that went, um, up my nose and down my throat and into my stomach. Um, physiologically my metabolism was skyrocketing. I was very defiant with my meal plan and, and different things like that. So that really aided in my recovery as much as I absolutely hated it. Um, and then I left the hospital with that feeding tube. I would have that for the following four months. So 24 seven, I went to school with it. I went Christmas morning with it, you know, New Year's, everything um, all the way until February 7th. So from October 9th to February 7th, I had that feeding tube taped to my cheek. Um, and I, I did that every single night when I went to bed, it would do night feeds and my parents uh, help would help set that up for me. So recovery was brutal. I mean, I had therapy once a week, a dietitian twice a week, um, pediatrician about once a month, um, obviously night feeds every night. My parents plated my, my food for me. Um, so recovery was hard. It was not easy. Um, and there was a point in, in time when I didn't want to recover that having an eating disorder was easier. I was like, this is ridiculous. Having an eating disorder is easier than recovery. Um, but I think if I knew now, if I could see myself now back then, I would have recovered so much faster and put so much more strength into it than I did because I didn't understand how great being recovered was. I didn't understand the full scope of it. And so that's my message today is that it's so worth it. It's so possible. And um, eventually after my eating disorder, I really started to get into advocacy. I knew that this would be a part of my life forever. And so I've, I've kind of devoted a lot a lot to it with a podcast, with coaching, with speaking, with a workbook, uh, with studying. I'm, I'm in my undergrad for psychology right now, and then I will be applying for clinical mental health counseling programs and hoping to open my own practice specializing in eating disorder recovery. So it's been quite the journey for me. I know that was kind of long-winded, but <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> that's, fantastic. that's me. Well, I have a lot of, uh, of questions on that one. Uh, and just quickly, this is uh, something afterwards, I'll have to get you in contact with the uh, lady that I spoke to previously on my previous podcast. Very interesting. And she's been in the field, so it might be a good connection for you there. Uh, I was just wondering, so there's a few things that come to mind. So your parents, wonderful that they you know, picked up on it because there's some parents that either don't pick up on it or when they pick up on it, it's a very difficult thing to uh, to speak to the person who has the eating disorder and to even get them to go in. Now, 
How did you initially feel when your parents approached you with it? So my mom had come, had come to me a couple of different times and was just kind of like, Lexi, are you losing weight? Lexi, are you dieting? Lexi, what's going on? Uh, and I just kind of brushed it off. I was kind of like, oh, no, I'm fine. Because I didn't, what do you say? You know, like, what do you say? Um, I don't, I wasn't in a place mentally that I knew what to say. I couldn't, I, I didn't know what to do. I was malnourished and uh, I had no idea um, what to do. And so eventually I had a doctor's appointment, just like a a regular well child, whatever doctor's appointment. And I knew that they were going to, to figure this out. They were going to say, okay, eating disorder, perfect poster child for an eating disorder. Um, And so I knew that my mom would know because my mom was going with me to the appointment. And therefore I knew my dad would know because my mom knew. So my mom came to me the night before and said, Lexi, are we dealing with a potential eating disorder? And I just remember crying on my floor. We were both sitting on my, my bedroom floor and just, I was just sobbing. And my dad came down and my mom asked, is it okay if I let dad in? And I said, no, (laughs) I was like, and I'm super close with my dad, but probably almost even closer to my dad at that time before my eating disorder. Um, than I was my mom at the time, but I was like, uh, I can only handle one parent right now (laughs) that I've maxed out. Like I can't, I can't do that. And so it was just me and my mom and we just sat there crying together really. And, um, honestly that night was one of the most hopeful nights of my life. I don't remember what was said. I don't remember what my mom told me, except for the fact that she was kind of like, you know what, whatever this takes, however long this takes, however much money it takes, if we have to move across the country to get you treatment, whatever we have to do, we will do. Um, And it's going to be fine. And we're going to make it work. And um, so I went to bed that night, obviously not knowing what was yet to come. And I, I fell asleep, just so hopeful going, oh my gosh, okay. And in my brain, I was thinking the worst is over. I've made it. I'm going to get help. I'm going to get treatment. And I was filled with literally so much hope. Um, And so I, I don't think I was in a place mentally or physically that I could have even put up a fight. I, once they told me I was going to the hospital, I didn't want to go. I didn't realize that I had to stay there for like multiple nights. Um, And I, I didn't want, I didn't want to be there. And I, I obviously cried a lot, um, but I couldn't physically put up a fight. I wasn't able to do that. I was so weak and, and mentally I was exhausted. And I, I think I knew myself that I needed treatment and that I needed as much help as I could get. And actually it's kind of funny on the way to primary children's, we took the wrong exit. (laughs) And I was the one sitting there with my mom's phone saying, no, get back on this road, get back this way, trying to get us to the hospital. Um, and I think, I think I was really desperate. I did. I, I didn't have another option, but to recover. I, I mean, this is said in a very odd way, but you're very lucky that you felt that way because a lot of, uh, a lot of people who struggle with any kind of eating disorder, um, it becomes very intrusive when a parent comes to you and, and speaks straight to you about it, uh, to the point where sometimes it even becomes even more hidden and more of a rebellion. Uh, so you, you know, how you reacted to it. Um, and even how your mother, you know, stay on the floor and crying because there are some, I don't, I don't see it so much 
in this generation now, but in when I was going through it, the parents were so, pre- so fearful and there wasn't a lot of information out there that they would just attack you, you know, well, gain weight, you know, <laughs> Start right. eat, you know, and it was like, don't force me because you know what's going to happen. I'm just going to go back into that rebellious. And I wasn't a rebellious child, but when it came mm. to eating disorder, I became rebellious. Um, so it's wonderful in how you, you dealt with that aspect of it. And that was the other thing I was going to ask you about, because um, again, when I was, I had a friend who was anorexic and we're talking, I don't think I've ever seen a walking skeleton before. And it was unnerving. But then they put her in the hospital, much like you, she was on tubes. Uh, they gained her weight up to 170 and then released her. Now, the point is, is that they, they fixed the, what did they do? It was like a bandage, right? Like, so emotionally and mentally, she wasn't receiving the help. They just physically fixed her, but they didn't mentally fix her. So you were saying you went to therapists. Now, how did that work for you? Yeah. So first of all, going back to what you were saying, my parents definitely did not, <laughs> they definitely had no idea what they were doing. And it was really hard for them because they were like, okay, do I give them tough love and say, Lexi, you've got to eat this. You've got to do this. You've got to follow your meal plan. Or do I say, oh my gosh, I can only imagine. Do I sit here and cry with you? Um, and so it was a hard combination for them. And they definitely have been, they've learned so much about eating disorders throughout this process. I mean, they, they didn't know anything more than just the average person. Neither did I before this experience. Um, so they learned a ton along the way. And I was uh, very deceiving with my eating disorder prior to my diagnosis. So before, for example, my mom would say, Alexi, what did you, what did you have for lunch today? And I would say, well, I packed this, 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 and this, I didn't eat it all, but I packed it. Um, so things like that. I was sneaky. No one knew what was going on. No one knew I was tracking calories. No one knew I was going sneaking into my parents' bedroom four, five, six times a day to weigh myself. Uh, you know, no one knew that. So I was very deceitful, but I wasn't, I don't know if I would say rebellious. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. That was, my eating disorder was tricky in that regard as well. Um, but Going back to what you were saying about uh, therapy with an eating disorder, therapy is critical. And I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) I hated therapy. I hated it. I don't personally think I love my therapist to death. Uh, I wouldn't be fully recovered without her. um, But I don't think that me and her were a a great match, um, if I'm being honest. And uh, but she she had a lot of experience treating eating disorders. She fought eating disorders very aggressively, and she was not willing to leave any crumb left unturned. We, like, by the end of my therapy, we were beating a dead horse about what more could there be underlying this eating disorder. And that's why I think I'm so fully recovered is because we went the full mile and then some in therapy. And um, every fear food was conquered. Every uh, worry about restriction, every body image issue was discussed. I mean, there was nothing left on the table when I walked out of therapy for the last time. And a lot of my recovery was just healing my body. I had to do that first. And that was the most difficult part for me because my brain was malnourished and I couldn't, I just couldn't do what they wanted me to do. I wasn't thinking at the time. I thought it was very rational still to this day. It makes sense what I did. Um, But especially in the moment, you, you couldn't have convinced me to do anything different than I did. And 
So fixing my body before I could fix my brain was critical. So getting to weight maintenance for me was a very difficult process. Um, so like you said, it the, the fixing of the body, the physical aspect of it is critical. You can't recover from an eating disorder if you're malnourished. You just can't um, because there's so many signs and symptoms associated with that. But you're also not going to be able to sustain recovery or to reach complete recovery without healing the mind. So it's a combination of the two and um, it's critical for both to have both. Um, so I would say a team, it, it takes a team, a dietitian, a therapist, a pediatrician. Uh, I mean, whatever else, it depends on the situation. But for me, it was those three individuals. Sweet. Now, I don't know if this is too much to ask, but would you be able to share with our listeners any one aspect that, you know, you're talking about the no crumbs unturned, any one of those crumbs that you can share with us? Yeah. So for example, <laughs> I like to use the no crumbs unturned just because it makes sense for eating disorder, you know. Um, but for example, um, I think there's a point in recovery where you could, you could sustain an eating disorder for the rest of your life. You could, you could get to a point in eating disorder recovery where you were doing good enough. You were able to live a fairly decent life. Uh, there was, I mean, maybe you're still counting calories on the side, or maybe you're still really a little bit worried about your weight over here, or uh, maybe there's still that one fear food. Like for example, my, my biggest fear food was Pop-Tarts. Now I could go the rest of my life and avoid a Pop-Tart. No problem. It, that is not required to live, right? But for me, it was such a big deal <laughs> that I had to overcome that fear food. Um, and so that's kind of that in-between state of recovery. And I think you could live in that state for a long time. And a lot of people do, especially um, treatment back in the day was, it just wasn't as good as it is now. And um, thankfully, the individuals that have gone through recovery and um, medical professionals have been able to recognize that. And we've been able to improve the system. And I think making sure that every crumb of an eating disorder is taken care of, every piece of it is destroyed, is key. You can't leave any fear food left uneaten. You can't leave any, um, if there's anything in the back of your mind to tell your therapist, you can't leave that unsaid. You have to put everything out on the table and then some and um it's it's more than just an eating disorder it's about what's underlying that for me that was perfectionism i had to look into what that was that was um what i was struggling with that personally and how that was affecting me what was underlying it it wasn't just fixing the body it wasn't just fixing the mind it was fixing what was under it too. So I think that that is full recovery and that's lasting recovery. Um, and a lot of people will say that it's not possible that an eating disorder will always be there um, in the back of your mind or that it'll always come up every once in a while or, you know, whenever. Um, and it's just not true. And if anything, I tell people that I'm standing living proof of that because I don't weigh myself every day. I don't change my shirt three times a day. I don't worry about what I look like every single day. I don't worry about what the calories are in the food that I'm eating. Um, I just don't. And that is full recovery. And I, I like to believe that that is possible for absolutely everyone, regardless of how long your eating disorder has been a part of your life. 
Um, it might take longer. It might take more work, but I believe that it is absolutely possible for everyone. I agree with you. And I, I, there's that mindset as well, which we talked about actually in a couple of my podcasts, we brought the same thing up is the fact that if you believe that you are always going to have an eating disorder, or you're always going to be a bulimic, or you're going to label yourself as always, um, it's a harder uh, thing to fully recover than that. I always say, yes, I, I'm a recovered bulimic. I'm not bulimic anymore. And it's gone. And you believe you can get to that point and get there. Uh, but not without help. Like you said, there's, you know, uh, unfortunately, that friend I was telling you about, she ended up because she was put out and going from we're talking, I don't know, she must have been like 65, 70 pounds. It was really scary. Like she was near death um, to 170. Well, you know what that happened, then she became bulimic. So it just transferred until she started going for therapy. She's fine now, but it was just a transference because of that not dealing with what was causing, what was that the roots of really what were you hiding? What was this doing to help you through, through something, right? And that's usually what an eating disorder is. You're going through it because it's helping you through something. It's not the right way to help you through it, but that's what it's doing. So, and I don't think, I think perfectionism is very much a big thing. And also um, I call it overwhelm as well. I think it's a big one when you're taking on too much and you just keep putting more and more on your plate, so to speak. <laughs> um, and then you just, you, what we were talking about the boundaries, right? Know when to say no, know when enough is enough. And as you were stating too, you know, that OCD type of perfectionism type of thing, when you can move from an AA crazy, you know, OCD or perfectionism to a B and say, you know what, it's okay if I leave my dishes in the sink today. I'm okay with that. And it's really, you know, bring yourself to where I'd rather live a life with, you know, my floor is not perfectly cleaned or a couple of dishes in the sink than being worried about it all the time and being the Tasmanian devil just kind of going bzz, 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 bzz. <laughs> so it's a better place to be uh I I just I mean it's amazing that you know you did catch on very quickly um you know in comparison to a lot of people and uh, I love that you're saying that that yes you can fully recover and you're you're here to speak to that as well and I think it's absolutely fantastic too that you're going into you're going to be able to help other people along the way with that um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your blog and a little bit about, you said you have a podcast, sorry. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. So I do a lot on Instagram. That's kind of the main hub of all that I do. So, um, I mean, I have resources out the wazoo, um, <laughs> for those that are going through recovery and, um, not just young people that are going through recovery, but of all people, I like to to mention and and focus a lot on that eating disorders don't discriminate between age or ethnicity, religion, gender. Um, anyone is at risk for developing an eating disorder. And so I like to focus on that as well. Um, but I like to provide a lot of hope and a lot of inspiration and education to my followers. And so you can find me on Instagram at every ounce dot of strength. That's probably the best place. And then um, I also have a podcast 
that I love to feature um, other individuals that have been through specific experiences themselves that I can't necessarily speak to um, that just are about all types of different mental health. So a lot of anti-diet dietitians will be on my podcast um, talking about health at every size, intuitive eating. Um, I'll also have um, some episodes about balancing bulimia, episodes about orthorexia, episodes about, um, let's see, LGBTQ rights and mental health. Um things about like social injustice and um, access to mental health treatment, or there's been episodes about substance abuse, OCD, soon to be schizophrenia, you know, like we got, we've, we've covered it all. So (laughs) the podcast is a great, a great place that um, I'm absolutely honored to have some of the guests that I have had. So um, definitely check that out. It's called every ounce, the every ounce podcast, and that's just available um, wherever you get your podcasts. That's fantastic. That does cover a lot, let me tell you. And you're right too with, with mental illness. It, it's just so expansive. And uh, I'm, I'm just so glad that we've come so much further than, like I said, when, you know, 40 years ago when I was struggling with, first struggling with my bulimia, there was not even anything on bulimia, never mind. Everything I sent away for was on anorexia and it was getting me really frustrated. Um, but we've really come a long way. And even with this, you know, COVID time, what I'm really loving is that, you know, today we have the capability of using our computers and doing online, uh, you know, coaching therapy and such. So there's some who are struggling with eating disorders that it's an easier way for them to reach out. So it doesn't matter what kind of personality you are, there is the availability for whatever help that you need, whether you don't want to see someone, you can reach them via that form or by face or by telephone. Um, so I just think that's wonderful for today. I really appreciate, appreciate your time, Alexis. I really enjoy that you were able to share your, your, um, your survival story and keep up the good work with that and all of the help that you're giving to people. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode. Be sure to visit me at bleepbulimia.com.